get effed, losing to Croatia 4-1. It's a kick in the grass. Dan Riccio, Jeff Blair, and Devang Desai as we break down Canada's latest loss at the World Cup and subsequent elimination from the World Cup. They'll have one more game against Morocco, but they are right now incapable, unable to advance beyond the group stage. It started so well, guys, and then in the end, uh, well, Croatia took advantage of Canada, continuing to push for goals. Think about what you just said. I think you just called it Canada's latest World Cup loss. Yes. (laughs) First time uh, John Herdman's lost back-to-back matches as a Canadian men's coach. Wow. First time, actually, I believe... You have to go back. Has Canada lost back-to-back mat- matches since, like, two, 2017? I don't think they have. No, not, not, not since Erdman's <laughs> taken over. It's, yeah. it's, it's been a long time. Anyhow, all of that is uh, irrelevant. Look, the best, the best midfield in the tournament lost the game, period. End of argument. Uh, I know there are a lot of people out there saying they thought that Canada was a little tactically naive and that after getting that early lead, they should have, if not parked the bus, at least maybe circled the block in the bus or something like that. You know, my, my response to that is with who I, this isn't a team designed to park the bus at, at all. So, Hey, you know what? They got their goal. Um, I'm I, no, I'm serious. Listen, they get a, if they can get a result against Morocco, if they can get a draw and they got their, I'm, I'm happy, man. I'm happy with this tournament. I'm, I'm beyond, beyond ecstatic with this. We'll always have those first two minutes, guys. We'll always have those 68 <laughs> seconds. We'll always have that Davies celebration. Um, it, you know, I, everything about that goal was so amazing because you're you're into the match and, <clears throat> you know, you see Buchanan get the ball and uh, he's holding it up. He's watching. He's waiting for Davies to make that run. And you just – you see it all develop before it actually goes into the back of the net. But – After a a solid start, that's where Croatia really took over. And, you know, as as much as, yes, and I'm seeing it in my Twitter mentions already, what do you mean Canada got got bleeped? You know, they they were terrible today, all these things. I I, I mean, yeah, they – I'm not sure what people expected or maybe if expectations were risen because of what happened against Belgium and how strong of a showing that was, but – uh, I mean, this was always going to be the most difficult match of the group for mm-hmm. me. And also, you know, it was just, <laughs> it, it was bound to happen where Croatia just really starts to uh, put the pressure on after they go up a goal. Yeah. I mean, I keep, I, I keep getting, I keep getting back to this. I said this going into the tournament and it's not, it's not a unique perspective. It, it, Croatia is one of the best midfields in this tournament. I, I put yeah. them up against anybody. Not, they're not the youngest by any stretch of the imagination, but find, you know, find me another midfield that's as tournament tested as this. Uh, there, there, there really isn't one. And I, I'm not surprised by this. Uh, you know, <clears throat> 4-1. I mean, I, I could have seen Canada losing this. I think I said 1-0 uh, uh, on the pregame show. I'm I'm not surprised at all by this result. Um, and, well, and, and I think they, like it all happens because they're continuing to push for goals, right? Well, exactly. It's just you know they know that they're going out if they lose, so they keep pouring players forward. Would you have preferred they just you know uh, play conservatively to hold on to a two-one loss? Like I, I'm not sure what people would have wanted in this situation. Mm-hmm. And and I I got to say this as well. The uh, you know, let's be clear, uh, Atiba Hutchinson did not have a good game. Alistair Johnson did not have a good match. 
Kamal yeah, Miller too. Kamal Miller did not have a good match. Uh, Steven Vittoria. I mean, there was there was a lot of space. Croatia really pried open Canada, and it seemed to me that that was after Canada got the one nil lead. And then Jonathan David had kind of a half of a chance after that to make it two nil. It just seemed to me that Croatia decided just go down that side. And, yeah. you know, and, and if Tejan Buchanan is, you know, if he's going to have to make all those covering runs and he did a terrific job in the first half, it could have been much worse in the first half. But the point is, I think Croatia figured that out and they just tilted the field to that side. And, you know, there you go. Um, a lot of veterans, a lot of guys who, as I said, know how to win tournament, know how to win tournament football matches. This is what great teams do. And even though Alfonso Davies and Tejan Buchanan might have been the best players on the pitch for the first 20 or 25 minutes, they certainly weren't after. And I think the way Croatia responded and took over the game, mm -hmm. truly impressive. Because I, I think we were all concerned that this midfield is, is something that Canada hasn't really seen before. They've never faced, I don't no. think they faced a midfield like no. this. You sur no. sure as hell don't in CONCACAF. But the, the first few minutes, you're like, wait a minute. The pace will expose them on the flanks. And wait a minute, there is an opportunity here for Canada to maybe score a couple early because to 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 talk about switching things up after the goal, Dan, I wonder if Canada's even built to park the just, bus for any amount of time, not, let alone <laughs> 70 or 60 minutes. Because I, well, I could not see is that. Is it about happen. like for me it's not so much about parking the bus as it is maybe being smarter about when you're pouring forward, right? Like any time. Eustachio or Atiba pushed forward into space, there was just acres of green field for Croatia to turn the ball over and then run into and create all kinds of havoc for Canada in that first half. And and, and we could see the goal coming from a mile away before Croatia eventually scored it, right? They get the first one that's offside, and Canada still is unable to clog up some of those those holes. You know, is that is that on John Herdman? Is that... Um, you know, just a, an unfortunate reality of how much more talented Croatia is than your squad is right now. I mean, this team, and, and I said this after the first match, we talked about it in the lead-up to this tournament. It's not in their identity. It hasn't been in John Herdman's identity to, to coach this team to park the bus. No. So I'm not sure why we would expect anything different at this point. And, 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 and you're not going to change something that's brought you to this very place here and now. No, and, and I, again, I'll throw this out there. Who, who, if you're going to park the bus, who's going to be driving it? I mean, the right. issue with this team is that it, it, we said this going in the tournament. The issue with this team is the back line's not, it's just not that good. The midfield is okay, but it's not as strong as Croatia's. Canada's strength is on the flanks. Like, explain to me, how, how are you going to play a 3-5-2 with the starting lineup that John Herdman had? So if you want to pack the, if you want to park the bus and pack the midfield, what are you going to do? You're going to take somebody out? You're going to take somebody out 20 minutes into the match? Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, it's... Well, and I imagine, uh, you, I, I wonder what we'll hear about Eustachio because if there was any change to be made at halftime, it was probably Atiba, and that wasn't the one that was made, right? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I was going to come in, Samuel, yeah, Samuel yeah. Payette. I mean, come on. Look, look at the, the, the one thing, I, Danny, the one thing I think this tournament showed, and I think this is a good thing, is I think it showed that there is, there is such, let's figure out how to say this, there is such a drop-off between our really elite players and everybody else. 
And what I mean when I say that's a good thing is it just reinforces in my mind how good some of these guys are. Now the goal for 2026 is to develop guys like Kone, who I thought, you know, for a guy that young. We talked about it yesterday. I would have started him over Atiba. No, I I wouldn't have started. Well, I mean, we can have that argument. But one of the things I really liked about Kone is, you know, when he came in, when Canada was down 2-1 and he came in, there was a run of about 15 minutes mm-hmm. where Canada was actually... I, it, th- the, the match Osorio could have chance. ended 2-1. Osorio had a chance. And the thing about Kone is I, we're finally developing guys who don't panic when they have the ball, yeah. which I like. Now, it would be nice if Jonathan David rediscovered that, that particular uh, skill set. <laughs> I mean, to me, if, if there's... Through the first two matches, if there's a downer to this... It's the fact that Jonathan David's basically been a ghost for, for two matches, as, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Um, and that's, what? you know, that's only two matches. They, there's, he's got a lot of football in the Canadian uniform left. Well, but, Canada couldn't afford to have one of their star players uh, just, you know, have, have a poor couple of games, right? And, yeah. no. and David David has, has been that guy for this team, unfortunately. And hey, you know what? Alfonso Davies got a goal, so that missed penalty, erased. Yeah, that that don't tell me that that's not huge in the in the grand scheme of things for Canada. Don't tell me that you're the best player you've ever you've ever produced missed a penalty in the World Cup. Yeah, then came back and scored in the next match. That is huge. I'm very thankful that that's the true story for Fonzie, at least. Yes. Personally, because I could see an alternative world where we're still talking about that oh, penalty yeah. for a long, long time. And in, <laughs> for in four a weird, years. Yeah, in a, in a weird way. And you guys tell me if I'm way off here, but obviously gutted by the loss and losing 4-1 is not pleasing at all. That being said, kind of shows you what the levels are here mm-hmm, and, and how yeah. this game works and how this tournament specifically works because we talked about it on the pregame we talked about it on saturday croatia has been here before and yeah. my goodness does that matter yeah they, they've been here before uh and it's a tournament you know they, they, there are a lot of people uh, just looking at and i shouldn't look at social i really shouldn't look at social media after but it's great like on on days like this okay. really good no twitter's awful <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, uh, I think you have a lot of folks who just discovered soccer and are trying to figure out how you can lose 1-0 to the number two-ranked team and get blasted 4-1 by the 12th-ranked team. My response was, FIFA rankings don't matter. Yeah, I mean, they just don't. There is nobody, nobody who knows anything about soccer anything about soccer came into this tournament thinking Belgium's the second best team in the world. There isn't a person out there who thought that. Yeah. I trust me. There are people out there who will tell you Belgium is not a top eight team. So. Well, coming into this tournament, yeah, as we talked about, they were not informed. They looked like they were at the run end of their run of their golden generation. And, if anything, you know, their loss this morning to Morocco just sort of highlighted for me that that, that was the game where Canada needed a result or could get a result. And uh, Morocco was able to finish, and Canada was not uh, in that Belgium game. So now Canada's out, and Morocco is uh, going to have a chance mm. to advance uh, through the group stage with that final game of this group in Canada could have a chance to play spoiler as well. So, you know, I, I get it. And, and I see people, uh, they're texting in uh, 650, 650 onto the text message inbox and saying uh, that was pathetic. That's uh, from one. 
uh, listener here. I, I knew we were going to regret Canada losing that first match. That's from Jazzy. Uh, That's Torgy. a good point. That's a fair uh, point. Yep. Uh, Torgi says, uh, disappointed in the result, but so unorganized. That's what I saw. And uh, Ian saying, qualification is one thing. Top 32 teams is another thing. But turning it up a notch to be top 32, three more notches, average fans don't get how hard that can be. And th- this is always was always going to be a learning process here for Canada. I'm not discouraged by the 4-1 loss, but... You know, it's uh, it sort of highlighted the biggest weaknesses and what you need to look for if you're John Herdman going into 2026 and what these next few years are about. We've got to find help in central defense, and mm-hmm. we've got to ha- find more help in midfield as well. Got to find some dual nationals, man. Yeah. I Tamori, really do. How many times did you whisper to oh, me watching I, today's game? Uh, I, I was sitting there thinking of it. Uh, just thinking of that. <laughs> I, uh, you know, and... and, and um. Yeah, it's and that's that's where the country needs help, and it's got four years to find it, or or and I think we can talk about this now. Four years to develop it because we have developed uh, a, a lot of these players. You know, it's yeah. not like these guys have come over. You know, used their dual citizenship and were developed in other countries to come over here. They you know they honed their craft in Canada, and um, yeah, it's I I. As I said, I kind of feel guilty because my expectations coming into this tournament were a point and a goal. Yeah. <laughs> they just were. And, you know, maybe that's because, I mean, I've watched a lot of soccer and I, I just, I, I know how good some of these teams are. And I, and, I, and I don't pay any attention to the rankings. I just don't pay any attention to the rankings. We're talking about changes Herdman made or changes he could have made, but I think some credit should also go to Zlatko Dalic for specifically putting Kramerich on the right. Yes. And, put, and bringing in another striker and that opening up a lot more for Croatia offensively. I mean, I thought Kramerich was the man of the match potentially. By far. Perisic was also really solid. But it's funny, we were worried about a couple of things specifically and Perisic having control over the game the way he did in certain moments was to be expected, I guess. But I was still a bit taken aback by how easily they were carving the Canadian defense after about 30 minutes. It was one-way traffic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a point in that match around 25 or, or 30 minutes where, you know, I mean, I made, I made a note of it. You could just tell that Croatia had just, it was just a matter of, of time because they they just seized control of the match. You know, their midfield, they really stretched. And this is something else I think we need to mention. It's not just that Canada sort of stretched themselves out of shape. Croatia really, really stretched Canada. That midfield really, really stretched Canada. And, and you know, they found they found some of the spaces and... They finish. If, um, you know, looking back to the Belgium match, you know, there were similar moments where Canada had left tons of space uh, and ability for Belgium to really attack. It's just Belgium, whether it was Kevin De Bruyne or or somebody else, uh, made the wrong decision, made the wrong pass, wasn't clinical enough in the final third outside of the one goal that they did end up scoring. But this has been something that sort of plagued Canada for a while they you know the early goal that they gave up against Japan in certain moments in some of the um some of the 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 run-up games that they've played into this tournament even going back through qualifying they'd give up an early goal here and there because they just leave too much space um I, I feel a lot of people are saying right now or wondering you know was Canada just too aggressive did they need to uh, play a little bit more conservatively especially when you go one nil up in this match. 
I above two minds, I I just don't think Canada had the personnel to sit back and and maybe adapt the way that we maybe wanted them to in hindsight. Because yeah. if we look at the deficiencies in this team, I'm pretty sure if Estakio's not injured, Atiba's coming out at halftime. I'm yes. pretty confident in saying that. Absolutely. There's just no one else. I think Mark Anthony Kay has been off form for quite a while now, including in MLS play, so I don't think he yeah. was really an option for, for, for Herdman. I think he played kind of the cards he could have at halftime, and it made a difference initially. Yeah. But I, I, if you're, if you're going to be beaten in central midfield and not really trust your, your center backs... It's a recipe for losing yeah. at a World Cup. Yeah, and and I, you know, I also think the thought process behind starting with the four four two and going with the two guys up front was that Kyle Laren, uh, Kyle Laren would give Jonathan David maybe a little more, give him give him a little more help up front. He wouldn't be isolated as much, and Jonathan David was going to retreat and you know maybe play play more of a a, a little more of a defensive role. And that worked for about 15 minutes. But again, Croatia, yeah, all that experience. Croatia could tell what Canada was doing. And, and yeah. um, I find it really hard. I, I just, all John Herdman said going into this tournament was, we want to entertain, we want to give Canada a moment. And he talked about his team being bright and light. And that, I mean that's that's the culture he wants to create around this team, and I, I just don't I don't think playing defensive is is in this team's mindset right now. Maybe it will be, you know. I don't think John I'll, because I'll tell you John Hurd having watched John Herdman coach the women's game, John Herdman is not afraid to play defen- to to play defensive football. I yeah. mean he he's not. Well, is it, it for me? It's always been about you know setting this team up to play uh with its strengths and that's you know further up the field rather than play <laughs> play to cover up your weakness um you know i don't know if that's that's really the way you want to do it because hey guys like vittoria and and miller and johnston they're they're going to get caught especially when you're playing against top top end players like they were today and even in the belgium match you know what's fascinating Costa Rica beat Japan earlier this morning, the one CONCACAF team to notch a W so far. And Costa Rica's strength, you would argue, is their keeper and their defense, which is extremely Mm -hmm. old and getting past it, but still quite formidable. And those those guys have been through some wars together. So I'm looking at that result and saying, you know what, it does make sense, even though before the match maybe we didn't give Costa Rica much of a chance at all, but th- the way they are set up and the way they have played and the way they yeah, play but playing Japan is is just a little bit true. different than playing Croatia or Belgium, right? It's true, but they didn't really change anything either from qualifying, and it worked in this regard. It was yeah. negative at times; it was not fun to watch at all. But <laughs> here we are with them having a chance to also get out. I I think I'm okay to Jeff's point. I think I'm okay going out on your sword in some regards, but I think it is a bit naive to not really change anything against the Croatia if you do get an early lead like that. I think it's a bit it's a bit hard to defend. I wouldn't necessarily want Canada to park the bus because that is not in their nature, but you know, I, I if I'm Herdman after you score the first goal, are you pushing for a second or are are you hoping to maybe um you know just be a little bit more conservative in certain areas of the field? And that's that's the one thing I, I I would say I would critique Herdman about is, you know, can you find a way to play less aggressive and leave yourself less open to all of those counterattacks 
because, look, Canada's not strong enough in possession. They're going to give up uh, poorly placed balls in midfield, and those transition attacks were just horror for Canada to defend against today. We saw that the third goal, it's a misplaced pass by Atiba in midfield that just quickly ends up in in, in a transition attack for Croatia. It's just those moments happen so quickly, and if you're Canada – you have to be able to uh, defend them better, and you, you've got to just be better in possession. And I don't know if this team is necessarily uh, capable of always being able to do that, or if it's like I'm just I'm realistic about it, right? <laughs> it's Croatia. Uh, how much can I expect this Canadian team to really push against one of the world's best, the runners-up four years ago, and the best midfield, arguably, in the tournament? I mean, we've got to throw this out here because. It was certainly all we talked about going into the match. And we, I think, we're all anxiously awaiting the podium availability for John Herdman and for yeah. the Croatian team. Do you think those comments from John Herdman had anything to do with this? No. No. I think the better team won. Yeah. And I think, I think maybe a few weeks on, this will be all assessed differently. And we can maybe lower the temperature slightly in terms of where it was at just a few days ago. But I, I would agree with Reach and say no. I don't. Croatia think so. had a 4-1 in them, even if John Herdman hadn't said I anything. Think so. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it came down to talent on the field. You know, looking back on on Croatia's second goal of the match, um, it's really a, a quick one-two on the right flank that completely breaks Canada open. Um, and even still, if you look at the start of the move, Canada is fairly well positioned to defend it. They just defend it very poorly, right? And and part of that was Hutchinson not being able to cover ground. Like his, he looked like mol- molasses out there. He looked every bit his age today, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And I don't mean to be rude to the 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 most accomplished player this country has has produced at a men's level. I I guess alongside. Uh, Alfonso Davies now at this point, but um, it's just, I'm not sure what you would have been able to do when your players are fairly well positioned in certain moments. They just don't defend well in that very moment. The only thing I could really critique Herdman about is, is not taking Hutchinson off earlier. Like it was very clear uh, even at the half or at the 30 to 35 minute mark that, he was getting exposed in the midfield today, and I'm sure there's more that Herdman knows than we do. But um, it's just that that was that was the one critique is not getting Hutchinson off earlier today. So let me let me ask you this: This is now uh, stats. Canada hasn't won any of its last 14 matches against UEFA opponents. They've got five draws and nine losses, and that goes back to a 1-0 win over Belarus in March 2011. Now, understanding that there are logistical issues with a Canadian men's program. But one of my concerns right now, and it's been forgotten since Canada got to the World Cup, but the uh, some of the logistical issues, some of the issues around Canada's soccer and the Canadian men's team and the Canadian women's team when it came to uh, pay, when it came to, uh, you know, the issues surrounding uniforms, image rights, et cetera, et cetera. I'm hoping that one of the lessons Canada soccer takes away from this is, with all due respect to these countries, no more friendlies against Curacao. 
Yeah. You know, when if you're building up for 2026 and you are going to be, I mean, you're, you're Canada's qualified for 2026. Let's see this team play against top-notch competition. Let's see them play against Croatia in a friendly or one of the bigger, another bigger country in a friendly. I think it's time, you know, when people do a, when they, they kind of step back from everything here and take a look at this. It's time to take a step up in terms of your level of competition with friendlies. And we're a big enough country that we can do it now. We're on the soccer radar now. Take advantage of it and, and, and start, start, start getting these guys in positions where they know what it's like to play a quality UEFA side. And that's not, I'm, I mean, I'm not being UEFA centric here. I'm just saying, let's, if, if you want to play some of the better African sides too, that's fine. I'd be down yep. with that. But let's not just have these cream puffs when we're playing friendlies. I think we're better than that now. I feel like in hindsight, the cutter friendly, the Bahrain friendly, maybe told <laughs> yeah. us more than we originally knew. Yes. And then, then you look at the Uruguay game and see how they fared there. Again, a friendly, but still comfortable for Uruguay. I did see the Japan result as a promising sign and a sign that perhaps they were ready to do something pretty impressive at this level. But it is telling that they couldn't really schedule a friendly against yeah. any like-minded team in, in Europe. It was just yeah. not possible. They were looking at way different places, way different nations. They tried to, they, I believe they had a game scheduled against Iran, which, 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 yeah. which died for political reasons. And frankly, I have, I have no problem with that. But yeah, I, I think this is... My friend Stephen Brunt made a comment on the day Canada qualified, and it something I thought about as Canada built up to the World Cup. You know, he said the question may be less: Is John Herdman and the Canadian team ready for the World Cup? Is it the support system, Canada soccer? Is it ready for the demands of a World Cup? And I think maybe this is. You know, there are lessons here for folks other than John Herdman and, and Ishmael Kone and, and Alfonso Davies and Jonathan David. There are a lot of lessons to be taken from this. If, if you want to play with these guys, then, you know, you're going to have to spend some money and play against some of the better countries in the world. You just are. Uh, it's uh, a big part of the rest of this tournament now is looking ahead to setting this team up for 2026 and that World Cup, USA, Canada, and Mexico hosting. So what does this next match against Morocco mean for this group? Who have been their best players? And what uh, what should Herdman be thinking about going into that Morocco match? We'll discuss that, plus more on this Croatia 4-1 win over Canada. at Stan Riccio, Jeff Blair, Devang Desai. We are kicking the grass. Sportsnet 590, the fan. Kick in the grass, Dan Richo, Jeff Blair, and Devang Desai on the Sportsnet Radio Network, Canada losing 4-1 to Croatia. Andre Kramaric scored a pair of goals, a doppietta, as I like to say. And um, when he was accepting his Man of the Match award today, he says, I want to thank the Canadian men's national team coach for the motivation. In the end, Croatia demonstrated who effed whom. 
So that is uh, Andre Kramerich, <laughs> who scored a pair yeah. uh, hey, and if, uh, if, delivered if, a pair of blows lie, to, uh, to John Herdman. Where is the lie? Hey, you know what? <laughs> if you have a match like that, you can say stuff like that. Yeah. And you know what? Knowing John Herdman, I think John Herdman probably had a chuckle about that, to be honest. So the the thing about, like, this, the, the whole, like, motivation thing, uh, it's one of those, like, yes, players can use that as bulletin board material, but did Croatia really need any extra motivation to beat Canada? Could they have very easily beaten Canada 4-1, whether or not John Herdman made those comments? That's also true to me. So uh, it's it's really uh, up to you it, on how you uh, how you feel about it. You know, the only thing, the only thing I, w- I would say about that is... Um... <laughs> I wonder if the question we should be asking isn't so much did that motivate Croatia as much as did it help create a moment that was too big for Canada? I don't think it did, but I I think you have – if you're going to have that discussion about motivation, which is okay – I mean, they started the match well, so it's it's hard to – Exactly. Croatia started – how many – Croatia didn't come out and kick Canada around. There were very few yellow cards in that match. It was nowhere near as nasty as I thought it was going to be. Nowhere near as nasty. Uh, I, I just got the impression that, you know, Croatia figured out around the 25th mark, we're better than these guys. And and, and away they go. But, yeah, I, part of me wonders about whether or not the moment was too big. And I think that's, I, I think that's a fair question to ask. You know what it reminded me of a bit uh, in terms of putting maybe a little extra pressure on Canada unintentionally, Vladdy Guerrero saying the Blue Jays season is going to look like a movie. Like, it's a nice quote, and it's a fun quote, but it's a quote that could be used against you time and time again as things don't go well. And I think John Herbin left himself open to that possibility that this would become a big thing. And I'm not saying, like we, we agreed earlier, we don't think the match was, the match's outcome was dictated by this. I just think it put an extra, uh, an extra little bit of heat on his players to perform against an exceptional Croatian side. Uh, I just wanted to shout out as well from the text line, Maurice, good afternoon. Let's count our blessings. We weren't even expected to qualify to be here. We were building for 2026. And at least now we know what it's like to play in the sandbox with the big guys. Very well said. Maurice nailed it. Very well said. And I know there are people out there who are going to be saying that, that, you know, you're not... That's kind of that old Canadian attitude, right? The Canadian medal was always finishing fourth in the Olympics, yes. and it, it's not the case. I, I look at it differently. I think that Canada is good enough in football that we can afford to be realistic. Uh, this is not. This isn't going to be our last. This isn't going to be our last shot at the World Cup. We'll be back next time because we host. And quite honestly, uh, there's every real reason to think that we'll be a, a country that's able to qualify for the next couple of cycles. So. Um, yeah, it's you know it. it I was going to say it is what it is. That 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 seems awfully awfully trite. Again, I think there are a lot of people. It, there are a lot of people, and they step back from this that are going to go. You know, four one a four one loss was in the cards. You don't like it, but it's entire. It's, it was entirely possible going into this tournament that you could have looked at Croatian Canada and said, "Boy, that could be two one three one," and if you can do that, it can be four one. Uh, this uh, on the uh, text inbox. Biggest surprise of the tournament so far for me is Cavallini being on the pitch for 20 minutes and doesn't <laughs> earn a yellow card. <laughs> this raises a question, guys, because I want uh, uh, Danny. You 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 raised it about Morocco. Now, how does John Herdman approach Morocco? You're eliminated. To me, there's two ways you do this. One, 
Atiba and Junior Hoylett have to be on the pitch at some point because it's going to be their their final, if they're healthy, it's going to be their final go around. So you could start them both, pull them off, give them, you know, give them the, the, the round them of flowers, applause, yep. give them their flowers, or start your younger guys, let them have some experience, and then throw, and then throw these two on uh, perhaps at the same time. So I, I'm going to ask you that. I would like... I think if you're John Herdman, you you try to you approach this game as if you're trying to beat Morocco, and then you see what happens at halftime. Well, I uh, I, I don't want uh, Atiba Hutchinson to remember his uh, his 100th appearance and his final game for Canada to be like you know how poorly he played against uh, Croatia or you know having a tampon in his nose to finish that match. <laughs> so it's uh, you know there's there's a few things I definitely want to see Atiba get back on the pitch for the final match. And Hoylet, I you know you could see it towards the end there. He was he was taking every look at goal that he possibly could. Yeah. He wants one. He wants to say that he he scored a goal in the World Cup. I think he should start, but also and on that note, I I want Jonathan David to play, and I and I really hope that he plays well, so that he doesn't, you know, have to stew on this for the next few years of how poorly he played in his first uh, in his first World Cup appearances. Outside of getting uh, Ativa and Junior their flowers, like we've agreed on, I want to see everyone who you think potentially could be on the team in twenty twenty six to get big minutes in this game. I think I'd like to see Kone play full ninety. Right. I'd yeah. like to see Kone play a full ninety here. The other the other thing I thought. In terms of Herdman's squad selection or, or the way Canada lined up, I wonder how much emotions factored into starting Atiba today and getting that 100th cap and doing it in this big moment against a Croatian side that features all these megastars. Because I, I saw f- quite a few lineups in the lead-up to the match. Some of them didn't have him in there, and I think I would have agreed with that as well heading into this match, even though it's Atiba, yeah. it's your captain, it's the, the guy with the most experience. It just didn't feel like this was going to be a good spot for him, but... I understand why we want to get him some minutes against Morocco, but it's all about the players that will be competing for spots in 2026. What do you think? What do you think, John Herdman? <laughs> this is a silly question. I'm going to ask it anyhow. It's Sports Talk Radio. What do you think John Herdman wants out of that out of that match? A result. Yeah. Do you think he cares if, you know, you got a chance to screw Croatia or one of the two countries here, Croatia or Belgium a bit? I think you can make the case that the Belgians have screwed themselves. That yeah. doesn't enter in the situation. I don't think so. No, you're looking for a result. You're coming. You want to come away with something. You've got your goal now at the World Cup. That was, uh, you know, job done for the first, you know, bar. It was just getting a goal. This country has not had a goal at a men's World Cup. You got that in the second minute today, and then the next one is getting a result. And the game against Morocco was always the one you were maybe most likely to get a result in. Nobody expected this team to really advance through this group. You might have had your hot takes and and some people predicting, oh, Canada's got a chance. And and we, we discussed it. But ultimately, this was going to be an impossible task, a near impossible task with the draw that Canada was given. So for me, this is all about just getting a result here, finding a way to get a result against Morocco and carry some of that momentum into the next uh, into the next World Cup and into the next uh, four-year cycle. Yeah, as long as John Herdman doesn't say we're going to F Morocco. <laughs> don't don't think he'll be saying that. I think we're good. I yeah, think I, think we're good. I think he's, he's done, done with that. I think he's done with that. 
Um, yeah, he's I, taken a lot it, of heat though, yeah. Erdman. You know, like with the way that he set up the midfield today, um, you know, rightly or wrongly, um, it's always hard to critique too hard given the choices he has available to him, right? But uh, a, a lot of people um, are saying that uh, just too naive, too aggressive in the midfield. So go three going up against this uh, this Croatia side. Go three five two. Yeah. <clears throat> Another revelation. I think we might have underestimated how bad this group was. I know everyone talked about the fact that, oh, it's Belgium and Croatia, but to have the third team be Morocco as well, boy, that's a well, tough one. Did, did, did the performance against Belgium provide false hope? Um, in, in a way. Well, that's a good question uh, because Belgium's not very good. <laughs> and I'm not convinced. But we didn't know that for sure. I'm the, not convinced if Canada played Belgium tomorrow Canada wouldn't win yeah. so I maybe I, I again I mean I hate to it didn't for me because I I just I really respect Croatia and I, yeah. I again that if you follow I mean guys you follow football you look at the names in that midfield I, I just you know, I throw my my it, it, my hands up if there's something if there was an area sort of a lack of respect thing it's just people in general just didn't realize just don't realize how good that midfield is if someone who's Saying today, I don't know if Ivan Perisic could make the Canadian. Really? Yeah. You don't think he could Bold. start for Canada? <laughs> I mean, let's take a step back here for a minute and try to try to think about this. Yeah, you know, there, there's that's where, if, if any, uh, underestimating took place. I, I I think you can make a point. I think you can make a point at that. Uh, we've got a couple of more uh, comments from listeners coming in to the text inbox. Uh, Kevin, uh, pretty predictable result, but let's, as a nation, remember that this isn't about winning the World Cup or even the next one. This is about motivating the theater full of children I just watched it with to win a World Cup in 16 to 20 years and all the other theaters full across the country with watch parties. That's uh, from Kevin. Uh, thank you for the text. You can keep sending them in 650-650 and 590-590 across the Sportsnet Radio Network. And, and people can go back and listen on, on the podcast, the, the, some of the preview shows that we did. And hmm. we pretty much all said that the Croatia match was going to be a more difficult task. And, and really, you know, uh, the, the, the final nail in the coffin was the 3-1 goal. But once Croatia went up 2-1, I had very little over. hope that Canada was going to be oh, able to turn it over. I'm with you. Listen, uh, when... <laughs> made a note here and i'm trying to figure out where it is yeah the, <laughs> at 49 minutes when jonathan osorio had that that How shot and kind of kind of screwed the ball wide i thought that that was a right that's where i raised the white flag at that point i thought okay it, it, it's done because i just i didn't i didn't see canada getting many other getting many other opportunities there and i thought i thought alfonso davies Second match in a row really looked tired at the end, which yeah. is probably not a surprise because he was hurt at Bayern and he plays a lot of minutes and he's and I'm not taking anything away from him because even at the end of the match he had a couple of tremendous individual efforts, but I, I thought he was a little he looked a little spent and and I wonder if maybe tomorrow if you don't see a, or the next match if you don't see Alfonso Davies not play a full ninety. We were talking to KJ in the pregame about why some teams are changing so many of their players or why they're doing so so much rotation in such a short tournament and, and maybe attributing it to the, the conditions in Qatar and, and why they want to keep their guys fresh. Do you guys think it's telling that they conceded just before halftime in both goals, in, in both games, sorry? 
in kind yeah. of similar lapses of attention. Good point. Um, Good point. Lethargic, switching off, desperately trying to get into the tunnel, and there you go. That's the second goal. I think there's something there to that. There's 100% something, uh, something there. And, you know, not to, to bring it back to Atiba, but, you know, this is part of the team selection critique that I would have is he's 38 years old, hasn't played a ton of minutes this year, and you're playing him on short rest, you know, four mm-hmm. days after his last match where he just played a ton of minutes there as well. So, you know, it, it, it's easier to say now than it was before the match, but, um, you know, that would be the critique of, of the team selection that I would have is just Atiba at his age with the amount of minutes he's played this year, not being able to to, to really trot him out there. And if anything, it, it speaks to the shallow amount of options that, that Herdman really had. Um, I, I, I did want to turn it into a positive note because there are some positives to take. A lot of positives to take. They're Candace in the World Cup, for God's sake. They're showing a Canadian soccer match, a men's soccer match in a movie theater. Like, what is there <laughs> not to like? It's uh, it, it, it just feels like a bit of a funeral because it kind of is. Canada is eliminated after their loss to, uh, to Croatia. But, again, a lot of positives to take. Tejan Buchanan, for me, has been Canada's best player so far through two matches. Agree or disagree? Uh, been their most noticeable, yeah. And and best? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think so. that's a fair shout. I, I, think, I, think, that, I think that's fair. Um, you know, he's already getting, uh, getting some interest from top five clubs, you know, clubs in top five European leagues. Uh, that's being reported as, as he continues to play. But, you know, I, I, just his, his touch on the ball the burst he has and also his ability to track back was on display yeah. in, the, in the first half and at different points of this match. He saved Alistair Johnson's bacon twice at yeah. least. I, I can just see uh, a, a lot of people taking notice, a lot of teams taking notice of Tejan Buchanan's play in this tournament. That TSN report, uh, clubs in Europe's top five leagues, which yeah. England, France, Germany, Italy, Spain, Valley, the 23-year-old north of 20 million. That's some good business for Club Bruges. But but mm. he's kind of uh, as much of so much of of a World Cup is telling the stories of these players. Tejan's story is wild, you know, yeah. to go from being like the ninth overall pick in an MLS Super Draft <laughs> to a couple of years later playing in the Champions League for Club Brugge and being you know one of Canada's breakout players at the World Cup. Like I can't even imagine how that's been for like two to three years for Tejan. And also like, how is this guy not discovered earlier that this talent isn't really being developed until he's 20, 21 years old and out of the American college system. Like that's, that's part of the growth that has to happen here in Canada is that these guys are getting into academies and are playing professional football at 18, not, you know, growing into professional football when they're 21, when they're so far behind the eight ball already. Just consider he was playing games for Syracuse University not too long ago. And yes. Here we are today. It's this is pretty, wild. It's pretty remarkable. And, and, and now while, he's playing against Luka Modric. And, and while it's not, uh, Ishmael Coney's not in the same level as him necessarily, he's yeah. going to be playing in a big league in the next right. year and a half too. And that's a guy, where was he two years ago? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, no, it's a really good point. I think Tejan Buchanan has probably helped his value more than anybody on this team. But uh, that's why I, I would really, I would love to see Coney play a full 90 against yeah. Morocco. 
just to see just to see what he could do against a really not only a good side but a side that's in form and i you know what i think his game is perfectly suited to morocco i think his game is absolutely perfectly suited to morocco so Kone, you know, he's he's not going to have as many flashy moments as as an attacking player would, but uh, even his play today in midfield, so composed, man. When he has a ball at his feet, he's so composed. Just classy, right? Like just very smart with his movements on and off of the ball. You know, there's a couple of times he turned, uh, you know, a Croatian player and found his way into more space and ability to to find an open pass. I mean, you know, for me, he's he's playing a massive, massive role for Canada at the next World Cup, and a guy that I know uh, teams in the championship have been looking at him, uh, you know, Sheffield and the like. You know, I wonder if there's if there's not a bigger spot for him in the not so distant future for for Ishmael Kone. I mean, I, I would it'd be nice if he didn't, you know, unlike Richie Larey, if he ended up going to a place where he could. We, where he could play. And to me, whether that's the championship or league, maybe whatever, as long as he can go someplace and play, that to me at his age would be the next big step. It doesn't have to be his final step. Like, it won't be his final step. I guarantee you if he is as good as he seems, he'll yeah. have another career move after that. But I, I, the championship would be a great shout. For him to play in the, in the league that, that's that tough and that demanding and that physical, uh, that would be almost... A, that would almost be a perfect scenario for me. Just keep him away from Steve Cooper. If we've learned anything from <laughs> the Richie, the Richie Nottingham Forest experiment, yeah. I mean, nobody really knows what's going on with Nottingham Forest. They, they, you know, they get promoted and they sign like a whole new wave guys, of players, yeah. right? I mean, they, 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 they spent more money this summer than any team in Serie A. It's just like, what's, yeah. what's happening at Nottingham Forest? And uh, if you haven't noticed, it hasn't really worked out all that well. And hey, man, if I, if I'm, uh, if I'm Nottingham Forest, I'm watching Richie Larea and be like, what? We own this guy. And, and we don't use him? What's happening here? Because Richie Larea has been pretty pretty positive in this tournament for me as well. I mean, this is a guy who was cut by Orlando City, right? Richie. Yeah. And, and basically kind of remade himself and remade him, remade his career. Like, I, I we're talking about success stories and, and wonderful stories like Tejan Buchanan. I look at someone like Richie and think about the infrastructure that is now in place in North America so that some of these guys don't fall through the cracks That's- like they used to all the time. You know what? What is what I really like about, uh, and, and it's just kind of fitting given all the talk about Messi and, and Busquets pro- possibly coming to uh, to to enter Miami. Um, what I really like about where soccer is in North America right now in general is the MLS. There is a structure in place here where guys can where you can develop at the age of eighteen that you don't have to go overseas and you can you can develop here and then take a step. And go overseas when you're 20, 21, and maybe a little more mature than when you're, than when you're 15, 16, or 17. And I think that's, uh, I think that's good. But let's again, let's hope John Herdman's got some dual nationals who can play in the back line someplace. So a couple of quotes are coming out from uh, from Herdman just before we wrap this uh, this show up. Uh, Eustachio was hurt. Uh, he says uh, to media, talk about turning points. That was a big moment for us. It was about the 35th minute. He signaled over to say that he was struggling. So uh, that also coincides with uh, when you really started to see Croatia mm-hmm. almost uh, take over that first half. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, and we've talked about Eustachio. St- it doesn't get a lot of plaudits, but... 
Arguably the most yeah. important part. Argu- exactly. Arguably the, the most important. And the knock-on effect of him needing to come out is you really couldn't take a team out. And I think no, that was couldn't. really, really a big factor in not being able to make it make a change like Herdman did in, in inserting Osorio and Kone earlier. Uh, Herdman on Atiba. I thought he was just next level in that first half. I was really happy with his performance. He was a real leader. So um, obviously uh, sticking up for his captain, who had a, who had a tough day at the office, but uh, tough day should. against the best midfielder in the world. Uh, against the best midfield in the world, as he should. Do we know who got Luka Modric's jersey after the game? Uh, did not see. Did not see. I would be willing to bet that Jonathan Osorio oh, so, was the first yeah. in line. He'll be fighting guys to that, get that jersey. That's my last cool story. I just want to say, Jonathan Osorio being on the World Cup stage and also playing against his idol, Luka Modric. That's pretty cool. From a walk-on at TFC to this point, it's pretty amazing. That is amazing. His uh, his growth uh, over the years has been fantastic. What we saw him do, uh, some of the goal-scoring runs he's been on in recent years and uh, playing in a World Cup, almost scoring in a World Cup. You, Maybe he'll have another chance. Last question before we go. Do you think he hangs around for 2026? Do you think there's enough there? I, I would... Tough question. Part of me it? says yes, I would like to see that, but also I would like there to be more competition for for spaces uh, in, in 2026. Good point. Uh, Mitch and Port Moody, uh, Herdman is building a culture and a program. Parking the bus doesn't get kids wanting to play soccer. There was no parking the bus for Canada. They lose 4-1 to Croatia. An admirable effort. They'll try to get their first ever result in a World Cup men's tournament when they face Morocco to close out their 2022 World Cup in Qatar. You can always listen on podcast. It is a kick in the grass. Dan Richo, Jeff Blair, and Devang Desai. We'll be back for a post-game wrap-up against Morocco when it comes later this week. Thanks for listening on the Sportsnet Radio Network.